Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hey, 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 Richard and Linda speaking to you on the radio. And we are so excited to have a half hour to talk to you about families, relationships, all the things that matter most. And we are actually on the dirt road this week. We're over at Bear Lake. We've been for a while. We've spent a lot of June here, and for a change, we've never done that before. You know, the dirt road, we used to, we, we've been coming to this part of Bear Lake, the east side of Bear Lake, for many, 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 many years, more than I'd like to even count. And when we first started coming over here, it was a dirt road all the way. You had to come from Logan and go around through Fish Haven, for those of you that know Bear Lake, and get over on the east side of the lake, or you could go from Lake Town up a dirt road all the way along. They finally paved it, and um, gosh, it's a beautiful lake. You know, um, one of the shocking things about Bear Lake that some of you may never have heard before, and maybe some of you have, is it's extremely similar to the Sea of Galilee in Israel. uh, It's roughly the same size, but more interestingly than that is that it is... uh, it looks so similar. Tiberias, the town of Tiberias in Israel, would be about where Garden City is. And then if you looked across, you would see kind of a barren shelf of flat-topped mountains called the Golan Heights. And it looks very much like the east side of Bear Lake. And so, Linda, if this was the Sea of Galilee, we would live on the Golan Heights. That would not be a very safe place to be. No, it would not. Last time we were there, we looked over there and went, whoa, we're glad this isn't Bear Lake. Anyway, we are having so much fun because family is pouring in. Last weekend for the 4th and actually in the last few days, we have had um, uh, not only our children but their siblings. We had our son's wife's sister and our daughter's husband's sister and their families here. So we had... Um, 35, well, we, I know we had 21 kids. Well, it's kind um, of the, pre, the pre-reunion. We tell the, the reunion, our, our reunion this year starts on the 10th, and we tell our, our children, our grown children, if they want to have friends or relatives or whatever, they need to do it right before or right after our reunion. And, man, they really they took us up on it this year. We've had lots and lots of kids. We go to a little church over in Dingle, Idaho, and we... I'm sure we've doubled their attendance the last few weeks, and it'll be even more this week. And, you know, my hat's off to you, Linda, because I'll tell you, you, I'll tell you, listeners, Linda is tireless when it comes to being a grandma. They call her Grammy, all the kids do, and she's just concluded. I think what has to be exhausting, honey, a Grammy camp for five, count them, five little Seven and eight year olds. Now, how do you keep up with them? Is what I want to know. There, there's actually six to eight, but they are so cute. I have so much fun with them. I just feel like there's. So, we have 24 grandchildren, and when they're here in a mob, I never really get to have some individual time with them. So, years ago, we divided into groups, and we talked a little bit about this the last time on radio. 
uh, with one of our granddaughters who has organized the work crew. We get the kids working and so on in groups, but I like to take them a group at a time and have what I call Grammy Camp. And we have so much fun. We started last night. They sleep over at a little place that we have up on the hill that's a little way from everyone else. And um, then we, I actually last night, we I send them a scripture every year and they give me their scripture and I give them gummy bears for memorizing them or a Swedish fish. And then um, we also have a Grammy Cap song and we have... We call it Scripture Bribery. Scripture and Bribery, exactly. But they all know a new scripture every year, which is nice. And they kind of put each other on the line. In fact, it was really cute today because one of the moms didn't get to the end of the memo about the scripture. And so uh, usually the moms kind of work with them because they're in the car on the way up or on the plane, and they kind of know the scripture by the time they get here. But one of them didn't get the memo. So the oldest one who had it learned backward and forward and could just fell out of his mouth, took the other one under his wing, and he was the youngest one, actually, and he really helped him learn that scripture, told him his clues, how he remembered which words come first, and all that. It was so cute. You know, that's the the, the, the goal, if you will. I don't know if you, we should call it a goal, but the hope we have as grandparents is that cousins, these little cousins, many of whom only see each other once a year, maybe twice a year, will form real bonds while they're together and that they'll sort of get the message that blood is thicker than water and that their cousin is almost like a sibling. It's it's more than a friend. And then that they'll do just what you described, Linda. They'll kind of help each other. The older ones will look out for the younger ones. And, you know, they're all still pretty young, so it's hard to, to project success on this. But I will say, so far, boy, they are thick as thieves, these little cousins. They... They can't wait to get together when they do. It's like, man, I've missed you so much. I can't wait to see you. Now we're going to play and have a great time. But Linda, because of her work ethic, makes sure that part of every reunion and every Grammy camp has to do with doing some work. And and I got a little involved. I I, I, I didn't do near as much as you did. Honey, now, let I, me explain that this is physical hard work. Yeah, real I mean, work. I came from a family of farmers on both sides of my parents, and they taught me how to work. And I feel like it's really important that they have some fun, but they also really work. And usually I have them pull weeds, and there's always plenty of weeds here. But we've done some landscaping this year, and, man, it's hard to find weeds. So <laughs> we decided on a rock front. Project this year, which Richard will now explain. Well, there's a, on this side of Bear Lake, there's a lot of nice round rocks by the lake, and um, they're about the size of, uh, you know, some of them are six inches in diameter, some are maybe up to nine or ten. And uh, so we said, look, uh, you guys, here's the deal you go down and you bring up ten rocks each just for no pay and no reward and nothing because you're just part of this family and we've got a little space over here where we need to do some rock work we need to lay them out on this little hill so the weeds won't grow and so on and just do that for nothing but once you get to ten then if you can go get twenty five more and put them up here 
you get a reward, and, and that's where the bribery comes in. Or maybe you just call it pay. It's landscaping, for heaven's sake, Linda. We've been paying people all month to do landscaping. Might as well pay <laughs> the little guys. And by golly, and we said, now look, find rocks that are about the size of your head. We don't want smaller ones than your head, and we don't want bigger ones than your head because you wouldn't be able to carry them. You'll drop them on your toes. But find ones that are about the size of your head. And by golly, they all did it. They all got up to 35, and they all got their little rewards. Well, you haven't seen the rock that Silas rolled over to the driveway. Honestly, I have no idea how he got it there. <laughs> Was it a big one? It is a Maybe monster rock. He thinks rock. he's got a big head. <laughs> I guess. It kind of does, but actually, it was—it's so huge. I don't know how we're going to get it back in the pile. I heard this weird sound of just weird, you know, like metal against metal or something, and it was rock against cement. He was rolling that thing across the driveway. It's huge. Anyway, we can get it back. But my favorite part was this year. I decided to concentrate on music. We've always done a little art project. But I'm a musician, and I love music, and I just realized I hadn't done much with the kids. So for each group, I send them a different little um, music thing to listen to. And for these five boys, we did Peter and the Wolf, and actually narrated by Boris Karloff. And honestly, it was so fun. I found masks or hats for everyone, and we had a wolf and a grandfather and a cat and a bird and a duck and the whole, you know, uh, the hunters and... I had sent them the music in advance so that they'd listen to it a lot, and then they acted it out, and it was so funny. I got little video clips, Richard. You've got to see them. I've got to see them. That's fantastic. But they had I, so much I remember fun. learning Peter and the Wolf. It's Tchaikovsky, right? Right. I learned it when I was a little boy, and I can still remember the uh, piccolo for the little birds and the uh, flute. The oboe was the grandfather, wasn't it? No, the grandfather was the bassoon. The bassoon, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we had the duck that was the piccolo, and honestly, not piccolo. I mean, Peter oboe. Was, oboe. Peter was the, the clarinet. The string quartet. Oh, the string quartet. Oh yeah. Anyway, it was just so fun to see them act that out, and I got a couple of things wrong, and they went, "No, no, no, wait, wait, it's going to be in the finale," and <laughs> they were just such a riot. It's really cute, so. Honestly, you know, anything you can figure that you love that you want to pass on to your children. We also always have a little ancestor thing, which we have ancestor stories, and I've realized that you can tell the same stories over and over every year, and they forget them from one year to the next. Or they're older, and they understand them a little bit. Yeah, and they get it. Some of them remembered. uh, Camden remembered some of the stories. And then we go over to the cemetery and find the graves of the people that we talk about because this is where I'm from. This is where my people are buried. And it really is fun to see them. Hey, hey, here's, here's Grandma Hazel. Here's a, Grandma, Grandpa Roy. And all these people that they kind of know now, even though they've never met them. So I want to hold up proudly my wife, Linda, as a remarkable example of proactive grandparenting. I well, mean, no, I just want to have fun. But, and we'll talk a little more about it but, and continue this on after a brief break. Well, wait, one more thing. we got a couple of minutes before the break, and I did want to say that uh, I'll leave you hanging on this one, and then we'll get into it after the break. But one of the things that you do as a parent and a grandparent that, make, that is very useful to, to do at reunions is to communicate 
together about the kids. And one of our daughters the other night mentioned that she was a little concerned about um, the ongoing challenge of teaching kids about sex in a positive way, in a way that uh, doesn't make them afraid, but that does make them cautious. And so we're going to be holding another meeting tonight to try to draw some conclusions. It is very important when you have a lot of kids together, whether it's a reunion or whether it's a sleepover or whether it's just a neighborhood fun night on the trampoline or in the backyard, it's so important that kids understand what is appropriate and what's not because when you get kids that are in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, there's a lot of curiosity and sometimes some inappropriate behavior. And so we'll get to that when we come back from the break. Hello, it's the Ayers. We're back again for the second half of today's edition of Ayers on the Road. We are having so much fun, as we mentioned in the first half, with our grandchildren, and we've had in-laws, extended family, and now we're getting ready for the... Uh, all the entourage of all the kids will all be here Wednesday night until Sunday. So uh, we are so lucky to be able to do this. Before you go any farther, Richard, and we've teased you about what we're going to talk about this second half, but I do have to say that everybody doesn't have the opportunity to have nice places to have reunions, and in fact, most people don't, and so we appreciate that. But there are things that you can do with your families to get them together. We keep saying this because... There's so many creative things that you can do that don't cost much, but do get you together. Camping's about the best one of all. Yeah, it is. We've done that too. And um, if you hate camping, you know, even a night out with everyone at a dinner with a, a book discussion with adults, and then getting the kids together for at a playground or whatever. There are just so many things you can do, but it is just so important to keep your family together. Keep them glued because there are so many things that happen in a family that can really tear them apart. Well, and I again, I think what you're doing, honey, with the Grammy camps is that's not that's something that, that requires no expense whatsoever. I mean, any any good Grammy or any good Grampy for that reason can get his grandkids or her grandkids together and do some fun things. But I think what we find with a lot of grandparents is they're a little they're a little too timid sometimes. It's like, oh, I wouldn't want to interfere with the parenting. Oh, I wouldn't want. Maybe I'd just get. Or, or on the other hand, sometimes all they think they want to do, those grandparents, is entertain the kids or buy them stuff. You know, take them to movies, and that's wonderful. It's a great thing to do. But, but we encourage you, if you're a grandparent, to sit down with the parents occasionally and say, you know, have a little management meeting on how the kids are doing, and find out from the parents if there are any worries they have that you might be able to help them with. And remember that as a grandparent, you've got a little more social distance from those kids, and you can sometimes be a little more blunt than the parents can. You can sometimes get listened to a little better than the parents can just because you're not always there with them, and and it makes a big difference. Now, um, I don't suggest you... Well, I, actually, this is one, one, uh, one part of your discussion, and we'll do a whole show one of these weeks on how to talk to your children about sex. We wrote a book on it that's still, I think that book, Linda, the book How to Talk to Your Child About Sex, is now 
about 16, 17 years old, and yet it's still uh, a pretty, pretty uh, crisp seller. It still jumps off the bookshelves because it's a subject that virtually all parents worry about, and it's a subject that, frankly, causes us to turn a little red in the face and say, oh, I just don't know if I should do it. We did a little survey one time of parents and said, when do you think is the best time to have the big talk with your kids about sex? And the majority of the parents on this poll gave what I think is the worst possible answer. They said, when they begin to ask about it. Well, the problem with that is they will not ask until they already have heard quite a lot that you maybe wish they hadn't heard or that you probably should have preempted by having a positive wonderful talk with your kids about sex and we will like i say we'll devote a a whole show to what we think is the best way and the best time to have that big talk in fact maybe we should do that next week kenny and and what we're going to say now will just be a run on to it Should, should we do that yeah i think we need to spend a whole show on this but i think this particularly uh applies to the reunions. When the reunions and when you have a lot of kids together and cousins together that you totally trust and think nothing could happen. Um, we have a, um, let's see, an extended, um, extended family member who is a counselor, and she counsels families all the time. And she wrote to our daughter and son-in-law and said, you know, you might consider this. She said, I am talking to people in counseling every day who are from great families whose kids' lives have been ruined by well, or at least experiences. At least traumatized. And, and these are not well, yeah, horrible I mean, things. This is not, uh, this is not some predator. This is, this is a cousin or an older kid who's maybe 12 or 13 years old, usually a boy, who, um, you know, has a relationship as a good cousin and playmate with perhaps a younger girl who's five or six or seven. And and you'll have boys trying to do very, very inappropriate things. Uh, let's let's play doctor. Let's uh, uh, pull your let's pull our pants down and compare our bodies. I mean, just little things that probably in their mind are fairly innocent. But for that smaller child, they can be very traumatizing. And really, uh, what what we usually find is that parents say, oh, that's never going to happen with my kids or my kids' cousins or my kids' friends. But more and more parents are realizing it does happen all the time. And we know a lot of parents who just... They don't. They won't. They won't ever let their kids go to sleepovers anymore because they're so worried about this type of behavior. Uh, we think, especially for family groups, it's better to take a preemptive approach. Now, I should tell you, and this will serve as again kind of a preview for what we're going to do next week on the show. Um, all of our kids have sort of joined us in a philosophy. Uh, that children, once they're, once they're eight years old, should actually have the big talk about sex because it's preemptive that way. You are the one who tells them the things that they need to know rather than the media or their friends or their peers or whatever. And we think there's a way to do it, which we'll talk about next week, which is really appropriate for kids that young. So the reason I say that now is that in our family, our extended family, all the kids who've turned eight have had that talk with their parents. 
And so what we're contemplating doing, and we're going to meet about it tonight with the parents, is to say, can we as grandparents play a little role in getting the kids together, probably the boys in one group who are over eight and the girls who are over eight in in a separate group, and essentially be very blunt with them about what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. Uh, do it in a positive way. Again, we always think the way to, to handle talks about sex with kids is to portray how wonderful sex is with the right person at the right time and then use that as the framework of the context in which to say things that aren't the right person at the right time are not good and they can cause many problems. And then you're talking about everything from experimental sex where adolescents are are together or, or uh, beginning to date and so on, all the way to inappropriate touching or older kids wanting to uh, see the body parts of a younger child and so on. And we're going to be very specific about this when we do it. But, it's, but the point is it's a follow-up, and we would never attempt it without two things. Number one, uh, agreement from the parents that it's a good idea. And number two, only with kids who've had the big talk about sex with their parents, which is the only or by far the most appropriate person to have that talk with them. But as a follow-up on what's appropriate and what isn't in groups and gatherings, we're hopeful that we can do a good job of supplementing what they've already said and just prevent any sort of nonsense, is a bad word to use, but any sort of experimental curiosity that might really cause a little kid some problems. We heard from some of our kids last night when we got together about one little five-year-old and one little six-year-old who, uh, not family members, but other kids had, you know, said, look, let's take our clothes off and so on. And luckily, these little kids, I think partly because of the openness fostered by their parents, went to their parents and said, here's what happened. Here's what this boy said to me. And the parents were able to, you know, take corrective action and make sure the kids were okay and didn't uh, have fear about it that, that was ongoing from there. But the point is, it's a balance, I think, Linda. Let me just say this and then see what you'd add. The balance is we don't want to traumatize kids by making them afraid. It's like stranger danger. You know, some people go way overboard and never talk to a stranger. A stranger could be a bad, bad person. And and it's almost to the point where kids look around and they think everyone they meet is probably a bad person. And, and of course, that's not good. We do need to warn our kids. We need to have little role plays where they know what to do if someone tries to get them to get in a car or try to get them in some situation that's not appropriate and that's great but always couple that with a discussion of how most people are good and you'll probably never meet a person like that but just in case here's what you do and the same kind of thing should apply on talking about being in groups with other kids there's nothing wrong. Kids are great. Most kids are great. Some of them are a little overactive in their curiosity. If anyone ever says this to you or that to you, do not do it and tell them that that's not a good thing and then go tell your parents. And to the older kids, the ones 
The ones that are the most curious are 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and be very direct with them about what is appropriate and what is not, and let them know that there are certain things you will never do, either with a cousin or with another small child. It just is not something you will ever do. And well, be strong about it. I think we need to close off on a little more upbeat thing, just saying how much uh, grandchildren add to your lives and how important this is, but at the same time, as Richard said, not to scare kids, but just to have fun with them. Let them know that you know how to fun, have fun and that you love them dearly no matter who they are or what they do, and I think you'll find some great success. So we'll talk again next time and uh, hope that you'll be on the other end of the line. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you joining us each week on Hires on the Road. 